Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we have a crazy story of someone kicking their best friend out. We'll get into that in a bit, but first teaching my ex-best friend a lesson. So I've been on this Reddit thread for almost three hours and I think I'm finally ready to talk about my own misfortune with the woman I called my best friend. It's a shame that the people who are supposed to love us unconditionally are sometimes the ones that end up wanting our downfall the most. Stella and I have always been closer than anyone else in my life. We were like twins but from different families. My sister from another mister. The fact that I didn't have a sister biologically made it all very convenient for her to be my favorite girl, besides my mother. Unfortunately for me, she already had three brothers, her father and her cousin and a few other family members that came around often. She and her mother were the only girls in their house, and you would think that the amount of testosterone that filled the air in her house would make her crave more female company, but it was quite the opposite. Stella loved male energy, and we'd hit it off instantly from when she first moved into the neighborhood. I had been the quiet, weird kid who could barely say two words to anyone who wasn't my parents, but it had been super easy with Stella. She had waved at me from across the lawn with her two front teeth missing and I'd fallen in love. That same day, she had come over with a pie her mother had baked and sent as a greeting. That was the first time I would witness the new neighbor sending gifts instead of the other way around. My mom had let her in and collected the pie with a sweet thank you. I was shocked at the actions of my mother since she was a bit skeptical and fidgety around new people, but it hadn't taken long before Stella weaseled her way into the heart of my family. She became a significant part of our small unit, and we had been best of friends ever since. Plus, the pie was tasty as heck. About 12 years down the line, and we were holding our diplomas while our parents took pictures of us and our friends shouting happy graduation to everyone around us. We were officially out of the treacherous system that education was. Well, unless one of us decided to further our studies. I highly doubted that would be happening in the near future. For now, the one goal was to get to work for our dream comic company. For as long as I could remember, Stella and I had dreamed of doing art for specific companies, as it was one of the things we bonded over. I loved comics a lot as a child, and my parents only had me so they were able to indulge most of my likes and wants. The second I had indicated interest in art, my parents rushed to buy more supplies than I would ever need. Because of her large family, her wants were put on the back burner and I was only too happy to share everything I had with her. I had been the one to fall in love with art first, as that was the only way I knew how to express myself at the time. I was chronically antisocial and art had given me a voice, a way to express myself with the words I couldn't speak. Then I met Stella, who loved to talk and always had an endless supply of words and a huge and colorful imagination. It had been a bit scary at first, but with time, I got used to her unreserved nature. She brought out the best in me. She made me do things I never thought I would dream of doing. She was the Clyde to my Bonnie and I loved her. She wanted to get into animation and I just wanted to do comics and we practiced together until we were both good at everything. 
From storyboarding to complex animation, we knew how to do it all. She joked about how art was her safe space and how she wanted to make the industry work for her despite how bad it was. Then in some way, our dreams aligned and it just felt like pursuing this with her. I couldn't have asked for a better partner and I couldn't wait to explore the world of art with Stella. So after graduation, we packed our bags, said goodbye to our parents, and moved to LA where our dream job awaited us. We hadn't applied yet since job openings began a month after graduation. We planned to buff up our portfolio while we waited and explore the place a bit. I had the money from my parents and Stella had been working her butt off, so we had more than enough to stay afloat. During our little exploration, Stella met someone, a guy named James. I tried not to let my jealousy show. I was happy for her, but didn't like that there was someone else in the picture now. James took up most of her time, and it bugged me that I didn't have my best friend all to myself. Although she tried her best to make time for me, it just never felt the same. Which is why I was excited when we both got the positions we applied for. It meant that I would have more time with Stella at work. My excitement died down a bit when we finally resumed work, and I found out that Stella had applied for the same position as me. My feelings toward the matter were confused. I didn't know whether to be happy or sad. Of all the positions that she could have gone for, she applied for the one I talked about nonstop. I felt so betrayed that I didn't even know how to respond to the situation. Considering she wanted a completely different role, it felt counterintuitive that she applied for the one I wanted. Our boss called us into his office and began to tell us how it had been a tough decision between the two of us. Our entries had been top-notch, and our portfolios were incredible too. We had done a lot of collaborative work, and also worked on projects together. He informed us that it was not going to be an easy job, since the company only needed one artist for the slot we were both currently holding. Stella tried to talk him into having two permanent artists for the spot, but he declined. She looked at me to back her up, but I simply stared at her blankly and then looked away. He told her that the chief artist was a one-man job and that we would have to fight it out to see who won the spot. She insisted that we were friends and worked well as a team. He just laughed in her face and informed her that there was no friendship in the workplace. It was all about focus, determination, and getting the job done. I didn't know if I agreed with him on that, but what I did know was that Stella had hurt me and I was not going to push an agenda with her. She had double-crossed me and that in itself was a cinch in our friendship. After work that day, she cornered me on my way out of the building and asked me if I wanted to grab dinner at a fast food place. I told her I wasn't hungry and was really tired from the stress of the day. She tried to pass off my answer as a joke and said that we hadn't even done any writing today so I shouldn't be tired. I held back my angry retort and simply told her that I wasn't interested in having dinner with her. Stella looked confused and hurt and I refused to succumb to the weak side of me that always wanted to soothe her hurt. She had hurt me first, and I was not just going to forget about it and act like nothing was wrong. I also wasn't going to confront her because she had done nothing wrong by applying for that position, but she knew how badly I wanted that spot and she had gone for it too. She came to knock on my room door when she got back later, but I ignored her. Maybe tomorrow I would feel much better and answer her, but at this moment I just wanted to be by myself. So, I ignored all her little antics and stayed inside my room, working on a massive painting to clear my head. Once I was finished, I went to bed. The next day, I went to work without her and settled into my job for the day before she arrived. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. She tried to talk to me when she came and insisted I speak to her, asking me what the issue was when she knew exactly what was wrong. I calmly told her that there was nothing wrong and that we had a lot of work to do. She didn't respond to that, but went back to her desk to continue working. That was the routine we adapted. I went to work alone and did my best to impress my boss enough to secure the position. Stella was also a good artist, and where I barely ever spoke to everyone, she was socially armed and it gave her an advantage. I refused to be scared about that and put in extra effort in all of my assignments. I did more art and did my best to book other gigs just to keep myself busy and be as ahead of the game as I could. It was during one of my many art trips that I met Vic. He was a librarian who worked at the cafe that was down the street from the office. I had found the place one day when I needed some peace and Stella was on the phone with James. Vic had brought me a coffee even when I didn't order one and we started talking. He was such a delight to be around, the complete opposite of what Stella currently was to me. I hated myself for always comparing him to Stella but after some time, I got used to his personality. Once in a while I still caught myself comparing but I'd learned to love the person Vic was. He was kind, thoughtful and very hot. I told him about what happened with Stella, and he convinced me to talk things out with Stella. I hated the thought of having to confront her, but Vic assured me that it would be best if we were on good terms. That way, it wouldn't be so hard when the job was finally given to one of us. He also eased my comfort by telling me that there were a million other jobs that were much better than my gig at the company. Just because it had a big name didn't mean it was the only thing out there. I fell in love with Vic, and I never regretted it for one day. He was the other half of me and he filled the space that had been created when Stella did what she did. I took Vic's advice and confronted Stella about what she had done. She confessed that she didn't want to apply for the position at first, but then James had convinced her that the spot would fit her. 
I didn't know which was more upsetting, the fact that my best friend had listened to her obnoxious boyfriend to steal my spotlight, or the fact that she had actually gone through with it. It also hurt that she had picked the slime bag over me, now I knew where her loyalties truly lay. James was not even worth the drama, so I made a silent pact to be civil with her, but our closeness was gone. Funny how a lot could change overnight. I filled my time with working and hanging out with Vic, two very intoxicating combinations. One day, Stella commented on how we hardly spend time with each other anymore, and I prefer to be at the cafe than with her. I told her it wasn't intentional, a big lie, that we were both busy and she had a boyfriend. She asked me if I was jealous of James, to which I gave a solid no. I used to be, but I wasn't anymore. At first, I had been jealous, since I'd secretly been in love with Stella since we were kids, but what she had done made me get over her quickly, and the remnants of that love had died when I met Vic. Although we weren't officially dating, I knew that I wanted to end up with him eventually. Stella made an offhand comment on how Vic wasn't good for me, and I ignored her. How convenient that your boyfriend had convinced you to betray me so easily, and the one person that was helping me find my voice again was bad for me. I was no longer under her spell, and she knew that I was not going to let her poke through the shield I'd built around my heart. At first, the competition between us had been unsettling, but now I was more than determined to get this spot. I deserved it. We both knew that, and I was going to get it. I loved Stella, but she needed to grow up and stop letting other people control her life. If she couldn't see how James was manipulating her to not be her own person, then I didn't know what would. The day of the selection grew closer and closer. I could feel the tension growing between me and Stella. We hardly spoke to each other anymore. It was like we lived and breathed for that position solely. I confided in Vic that I was tired of what was going on, and I just want to have some peace. I couldn't stand the tension between me and Stella anymore. It was ripping me apart. Vic told me to listen to my heart, and if I wanted to try out for other jobs, then it wouldn't be so bad. All that mattered was that I would still be doing what I loved, writing. I knew I'd found a rare gem in that moment, and without wasting my time, I asked Vic out. I held my breath as I waited for an answer, and he gave me a joyful yes. Life was looking on the upside. I started hunting for new jobs while still trying for the chief artist position. My life just wasn't on the line again, and I also didn't want to place all my eggs in one basket just in case I didn't get the job. And if I didn't, I would happily move on to the next thing. This company wasn't the beginning and end like Vic had said, and I was starting to see that. Unknown to me, I didn't know that Stella had started scheming behind my back to get the position by all means. We were given a huge task to head a team of interns for a small animation project. As the heads of the team, we had to do the storyboarding ourselves and character development. The team was to help put some things in place, but they were obviously interns and underexperienced. Some were even high schoolers and freshmen. The project lasted a month, and I did my best, involving the team as much as I could, but doing the bulk of the work. I didn't think about Stella once, but Vic and I hung out all the time, and he was okay just sitting in silence. It wasn't until the day of the selection that our boss revealed what Stella had done. He had purposely set us up with a team that was inexperienced and disorganized, setting us both up for failure from the start. He also made the team purposely mess up occasionally to see how we would make things work. Stella bullied her team and made them do all the work, screaming them into silence and occasionally buying them food to make up for her attitude. He informed us that he'd been monitoring us physically, apart from our art talent prowess, 
and he deduced that Stella was not the right fit for the job. Being a leader was not her forte, and she was a horrible team player. She was also a terrible person for trying to one-up her own friend. He admitted that he had said friendship wasn't supposed to mingle with business, but anyone with a brain would know that was a lie. He offered me the position with full benefits, and my first job was to work with a team of highly revered artists on an animated comic book style movie. I nearly died from elation. The project came out last year and, while I won't tell you what it is, you probably watched and enjoyed it. I also got a huge raise and a legitimate team to manage and I might be doing my first independent project soon. Vic and I are doing amazing and my parents love him a lot. They're obsessed with coffee and he makes a killer cup. I'm more of a tea guy but I do occasionally drink coffee, mainly for Vic. Stella congratulated me after I got the gig and she was let go from the company because all the interns on our team reported her for harassment. Our boss agreed to give her a good review for her next job, but she decided to start making and selling art on social media with James as her account handler. I wished her luck and she blocked me on everything. Yeah, I think this is actually a cautionary tale of mixing business with friends. It can work out and it can be a very strong partnership too. But it can also go very haywire, get very personal, and doom a relationship for sure. This next story is kicking my best friend out. Sometimes you grow up with a person and you hope that you both know each other forever, but that's not how it goes. I'm a 34-year-old woman and the story goes back to when I was much younger. I had a best friend that I loved with everything in me, but it turned out that she was not the best person for me, much to my chagrin. I really believe in soulmates, and to me that's what we were. We were basically born to be best friends. Our mothers had us exactly a week apart. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But they didn't really meet each other until a few months later when we were falling sick all the time and had to be at the hospital a lot. Our parents met each other at the ER and decided that it would be a good time for their two sickly children to be friends, and it worked. We were tight as thieves from the first time we met, and for most of our lives we did everything together. Things started to change when I turned 13 years old and was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. Two of the most plaguing issues for young Americans nowadays, while it has been more accepted generally, in my time it was something of a death sentence and most parents would rather ignore it. My first-generation Moroccan parents were much different than others when it came to taking both school and health seriously, and that sometimes included mental health. After my diagnosis, my mother took me out for ice cream and asked me not to tell anyone about things in the meantime as it was unsafe. She didn't give me any reason other than not wanting me to be treated differently by other kids. But the real reason was that some Christian evangelists had been circulating that ADHD was of the devil or something like that. Trust me, I found it hilarious when I heard. Between us, my best friend, her fake name in this context is Francis, had always been the smart one. 
My parents tried not to compare us to each other, but when you're a Moroccan kid with strict parents and your best friend is a white kid that's so much smarter than you, it tends to make things a little weird between you and your parents. Even with dyslexia and everything, they expected me to be a complete superhero at school and I found that insane. I still believe that despite how much they disliked that Frances' parents were so lenient with her, they let us be friends because she was smarter and, by association, maybe one day I would be smart too. It was my mom who told me after I failed a history test that she loved Frances's mom, but hated how they allowed their child to roam around and do what she liked. They never let me do anything with her that was outside a sleepover or a chaperoned mall trip. Frances was sweet to me, and she was the best friend any girl could ever ask for. She was also pretty much perfect, with perfect light brown hair that her mom dyed for her every summer since she was eight, green eyes and perfect grades. Her parents were even perfect, being the stereotypical high school sweethearts that got married after also attending the same community college. Not that I had any problems with how I looked, or the fact that my parents' marriage was arranged, but between Frances and I, she was automatically everyone's first choice. I didn't notice it much until we started hanging out with boys and all. We didn't really start to have problems until after I was diagnosed with dyslexia. My parents had just dramatically announced it to me, after assuring me that they still loved me no matter what. Then my father left because he was uncomfortable and my mother took me out for ice cream. That was where she told me not to tell anyone, as I mentioned earlier. Because I was so stressed and upset about the diagnosis, as well as the fact that I couldn't tell anyone, they decided to give me one chance to do whatever I wanted. It was a Friday night, so I asked for permission to go to a party, and they begrudgingly agreed. Well, my mother did. My father was too happy to let me go so he could breathe properly. If you have immigrant parents and are a 13-year-old middle schooler, I'm sure you understand how much of a big deal this was to me. I went over to Frances's to get ready with my best friend and her mother put makeup on us and straightened my curly hair, at my request of course. Once she was finished, I knew that my parents would have a heart attack if they saw me, and it made me very giddy. We got to the party and we were having a good time, until it was time to play the evil game of truth or dare. Even then I knew that the game was troublesome and nothing good would come out of it, but my best friend convinced me that it would be harmless. According to her, these were freshmen in high school and they had more important things to think of. The game went okay until the bottle landed on her and she chose to tell the truth. I cannot recall the question, but her answer was basically blurting to about half of my middle school classmates that I was dyslexic. Note that I'd only just let her know about it barely an hour earlier while their mother drove us to the party. There were a lot of other things that she could have said, but the fact that she chose that particular secret to spill made me really sad. I stomped out of the room where the game was being played and sat with the host's family until Francis's parents came to pick us up later that night. We didn't speak on the whole ride home, and for the rest of the weekend. I thought that my best friend would realize that she offended me and apologize by Monday, but she just pretended that everything was okay and went straight into talking to me the moment we entered the school halls. When I did try to let her know that I was offended by the stunt she pulled on Friday night, she brushed me off and called me dramatic. At that point, my almost 14-year-old self knew that things would never be the same again. Word traveled fast, and I started to get teased and harassed by people. On the way home, if I decided to walk, I would get stopped by adults 
who asked if my parents would be okay letting me get tested by them or if we went to church. We did on Christmas Day. The worst part of it all was keeping it from my mother because she told me not to tell anyone and I stupidly disobeyed. Even with everything going on, it wasn't all bad, as I also found other people who suffered from dyslexia or ADHD, and we either formed a club, sort of, or a friendship. As I got closer to these people, my friendship with Francis started to hit rock bottom. After getting my diagnosis, the school I attended realized that they had quite a number of dyslexic learners, and decided to employ different teaching tactics for us. Once it was established, I found that I was actually very smart and could do very well in my studies if just given the chance. Francis did not appreciate that, and somehow our already suffering friendship went from us walking quietly home every day after school on the days I wasn't hounded, to having to be forced by our parents to spend time together. She continued to try really hard to be better than me, and if I ever asked questions in class, she would make fun of me and do her best to get other kids to do the same. God forbid that I asked her for help because I would only leave even more frustrated than I started. It didn't help that she was already at the top of most of our classes and she was automatically recommended to me by teachers whenever I needed help in school. Eventually we figured that there was no way that we could continue being friends, but we had to pretend for the sake of our parents. By the time I entered high school, I got a boyfriend and I used the excuse of going over to hers to go see him all the time. She did the same, but with parties. I'm still even surprised that she didn't rat on me. We drifted even further from each other until high school was over. Our universities were in different states, and we had one last sleepover before we both moved and went non-contact with each other. Even that was awkward and I was unable to sleep, staring at the ceiling and praying for morning to come. College was more accepting and honestly a lot of fun. I was able to manage my dyslexia enough to get through it as smoothly as I could manage until I graduated and got a job in a different city from where I lived. My parents sold their house and moved to Europe, and our relationship got a lot better. Not that it was bad before. I got my own apartment, started earning adult money, and could do whatever I wanted. I also had a boyfriend who loved me, and my relationship with my parents was as good as it could get when they weren't screaming at me to come and visit. My life was far from perfect, but at least it was progressing positively. On a random day, I got a call from a strange number, and when I answered it, it was my former best friend, Francis. I was super shocked because we hadn't spoken to each other in about five years, but I answered the call anyway. It started as an innocent little call to catch up on each other and talk about everything that had happened in the past couple of years. It was nice to just catch up but then it seemed like luck hadn't been on her side. She went on a long rant about how she was in between jobs, about to be homeless, and in need of a fresh start. Of course, I felt bad for her, and I knew that there were a few openings at my job. She didn't live in the city I did, but she coincidentally lived only a few hours away, so I convinced her to come over and even promised to let her stay at my place. It was nice when she first came. She looked great and seemed very carefree and even almost a different person than who she used to be towards the end of our friendship. I let her have the spare bedroom in my apartment and she was supposed to only stay for a month, which I'd prepared myself for. When Frances and I talked some more, I found that she had dropped out of college just before her final year. It shouldn't have been a problem if she had told me earlier, but she didn't. And there was only so much of a good word I could put in for her at work. 
She did get the job, but it was a lower paying one, which she outrightly blamed me for, just before stating that she would need to stay at mine for three months longer than we originally planned, because her salary wouldn't be enough to get her a place in the neighborhood that she really wanted to live in. I was eager to rekindle our childhood friendship, so a part of me thought that it would be the best idea to let her do what she liked for the most part. It started with me always having to clean up after her, and then graduated to me being her mom and having to wake her up and make her shower, have breakfast, and dress up in time so we would get to work early. I introduced Francis to all my friends, my work friends, friends from college that I still spoke to, and even my boyfriend, and they all loved her instantly. Who wouldn't? I was just glad they got along and happy that she wouldn't feel so lonely. With time, it started to feel like I was being left out of things within my own friend group, but I gaslit myself to believe otherwise. During lunch at the office one day, Francis was huddled over with my work friends and they were all glued to their phones. I went over and inquired about what was so interesting to them, and I was introduced to some silly crossword puzzle games, almost like Wordle but not digital. Now, because of my dyslexia, I tend to stay away from crossword puzzles and things that needed me to deal with words for an extended period of time, but I wanted to give this game a try because according to them, it was really fun. Plus, it seemed like intelligent fun, and I liked intelligent fun, like chess. I'm really good at chess. When I expressed my eagerness to play and asked someone to explain further, Francis made a joke about me being too dyslexic to really understand anything. It hit me like a ton of blocks because not only was this the second time she was doing this, but none of my work friends knew about me being dyslexic. It wasn't like I was embarrassed about it, but my theory was that if I could manage it just fine, why did the rest of the world need to know? Thankfully, my work crowd was a little more mature than middle schoolers and they instantly understood that my condition was not a joke. It didn't stop it from still being extremely humiliating. I thought that confronting Francis this time would be different since we were a little more grown up, but it was the same dang thing. She insisted that it was just a little game and that there was no need to get all worked up over it. I demanded an apology from her and she burst into tears, adding a little sob story that I didn't care enough to listen to because of how angry I was. I hated that she was right because when I tried to play the game, it didn't go so well. Not just because of my condition, but also because it was just really difficult. She could have said that and I wouldn't have felt because she'd always been much smarter, but telling me that the only reason I couldn't play it was because of the condition that I had was just downright mean. I realized then that whatever friendship I was trying to salvage with her was gone. She was still as childish as her high school self and there was no saving her. The crossword incident was just the cherry on top of the pie of all of the other annoying things that she did to irritate me. So I sat her down one fine day and let her know that she needed to move out. Francis did try to guilt trip me by using the history we shared, but I'd been desensitized to her tactics already. When she found out that there was no way to talk me down, she tried to demean me some more, but I threatened to call the police on her. She frequently changed from crying and begging me to let her stay for at least a month to cussing me out, to following me around and screaming. It was all so dramatic, but I was a little high, so it was really funny to me. It was all entertaining, and she noticed that I found her extremely funny when I burst out laughing, and she instead began to hurl insults at me. I only responded to tell her that she still had to leave that same day, and she finally saw that there was no budging. 
I gave her three days to find somewhere else to live, and she attempted to guilt trip me once more by asking her parents to speak to my own parents to convince me. Fortunately, her mother was a lot smarter than her child and called me to ask what the issue was. I was very honest, and the woman asked me to stand by my rule until Frances figured herself out. At work, she tried to rally people around her and make me look like the worst person in the world, but I knew exactly what she was doing, and so did they. She went from being everyone's favorite to eating alone at lunch and feeling sorry for herself. I made sure she moved out after three days, and I didn't really ask where she went. Rumor had it that she was coupling up with a dude from finance, and it was all fun and games till he kicked her out too, and she had to live in a homeless person's shelter. She'd been working for a minute, but she didn't even have the sense to save up something reasonable. Probably because she thought I would let her leech off of me forever. It's been a few years, and I hear she's on her third husband, coaches a girls' soccer team, and has a business. She's also been the face of a few Facebook pyramid schemes, but hey, who's counting? I'm just glad I was able to remove myself from the unbalanced equation before it turned terrible. With enemies like these, who needs friends? I'm glad that OP figured out that people who are willing to put you down to either make themselves feel better or just as a joke are not the kinds of people that deserve to have your time and attention, let alone way more than that. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.